0: Welcome to episode number one of Plan Wisely with Eric Garcia. I am John J. Gay. Eric, it's great to be with you to get started here. Yeah,
1: man, it's great to be here. I'm looking forward to getting started.
0: New Orleans is one of my favorite places. I'm thrilled to be talking to you. I lived down there for three years, so I'm sure we may be talking a little bit about the 504 Crescent City as we go through this. But one of the things you wanted to cover, we talked about offline in this first episode, I found a little bit curious, which is New Year's resolutions. And I'm kind of curious as to why you wanted to bring this up in the month of September.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not even Christmas yet, right? I mean, I don't, think, I don't even think there's Christmas decorations up in places, and we're already talking about New Year's resolutions. I was thinking about it. I was reading some stuff and, and came across that only 8% of resolution makers actually follow through. So that means that there's a lot of people who've given up
0: on their resolution, right? I figured low. I didn't figure that low.
1: There's probably a little bit more who are still kind of engaged in, in meeting their resolutions, so we'll probably lose a few more here soon <laughs> and then... Uh, and the, and the stat also says 80% of Americans who set a resolution will fail within 30 days. Wow. Uh, so like 80% of you listening right now
0: are like, I failed already. When you hear about those gym rats going in and they're like, oh, I can't wait for February because all the resolution people are going to be gone.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> I've got a friend who owns a gym, so it's always fun to talk about gym membership at the beginning of the year. When
0: you guys go out to eat, he's paying in the month of January. Well,
1: that's what I'm calling him to tell him to put more in his his accounts. Smart. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the question is, do resolutions even work? Are we just setting us up, setting ourselves up for failure, Mm -hmm. right? Everyone gets all excited about about resolutions. There's a newness to it. So there's kind of fun. Typically, resolutions are meaningful. I mean, people are setting meaningful goals that that, um, I don't want to dismiss, but
0: are they realistic? Looking back on the last nine months or so, Eric, what are some resolutions that you had set for 2019 and where are you at with them?
1: Yeah, and I'm actually proud to say that I am one of those 8% of people who actually followed through on their resolution.
0: Okay, what was the resolution?
1: I had one resolution this year, and it was to quit the gym.
0: <laughs> I would imagine that's a lot easier to follow through on than join the gym and go all year.
1: So actually, the, the resolution was, I'm not even going to call it a resolution. It's more of a financial goal. It had more to do with stop spending money. Wastefully, Sure. And I had one of those $10 a month gym memberships that you justify keeping because it's only $10 a month, even though you never go. Was it the Barney gym, the purple gym? Uh, I think it was green. Oh, okay. It was green. It was okay. green. Okay. So I, I walk in, I pull up. It's January. I want to say it's like the 6th or the 7th. Mm-hmm. I actually videoed it. So I walk into the gym. There's two guys behind the desk. I walk in and one of them comes up and I say, yeah, I want to cancel my membership. <laughs> he kind of pops up really fast and, and looks at me and he's like, you want to, you want to what? I'm like, I want to, i want to cancel my membership. And then like the other guy whose back was to me turned and came up to the desk and tried to convince me, you know, it's going to cost you more to cancel it. So I know I can't, I canceled my membership six days into the new year and <laughs> I've saved myself
0: from that membership, maybe $90 year to date. Right. See, and if that was the first week of January, does that mean that money could go to King Cake, or <laughs> then I got I got to go back to to work the King Cake off, right? Right. right yeah. Exactly. Okay.
1: Well, you know, it wasn't. A, it's not about the ninety dollars. It was just about spending money on things that I wasn't using, right? And we talk about those financial behaviors that lead us to success, and and one of those is spend less, right? So don't spend money on things that you're not using or save that money.
0: You know, I can relate to that because I can think about, you know, things that I have subscriptions to that I didn't realize were coming out of my bank account every month. Um, there was something on Amazon that my wife and I were getting dinged for every month for like 10 bucks a month. And we and one day we looked at it, Man, it's been like six months. That was 60 bucks. A magazine
1: subscription. It, it was like $2 a month, right? But I'm like, I've seen this coming out for like, two years. <laughs> and I thought my wife was using it. I'm like, what? what's up with this? And we're like, no, we, we don't. I thought we canceled that.
0: And two years of two bucks a month. You're talking about 50 bucks. Yeah, man. It, and 50 bucks here, 50 bucks there. That adds up really quickly. It starts to add up. That's right. Amazon, Netflix, all these little things that you name it, it happens. So that is a good resolution. I, th- I do love the visual, though, of you walking in there like a gangster, like, what up? Yeah, man. Canceling my membership. You see all these newbies that are sweating to the oldies? Not me. I'm out. I'm not wasting my money on this anymore.
1: I should have said it loud enough to take some other people out with me.
0: Oh, yeah. Start a trend for sure. Yeah.
1: (laughs) People make resolutions, Jag, because they're meaningful. In fact, if you look at the statistics for 2018, Mm -hmm. the main resolution, 53% of people who were surveyed wanted to save money, right? So over 50% of the people had a financially related resolution, and then according to Fidelity Investments, the top three financial resolutions for 2019 were to save more, pay down high interest debt, and to spend less. Seems pretty reasonable, yeah. Maybe we should stop calling them resolutions and start calling them goals at this point. Right. But these are good goals. These are These are good things that who doesn't want to have more in savings,
0: right? Who wants to have high interest debt? I think about all those years when I was a poor college student and even a poor radio DJ dealing with all that credit card debt that just... Compounded on itself, and I just felt like I was never going to get out from under it. So that's a really good point. And to spend
1: the conversation, and you know, investing is important. Saving for retirement is important. All this stuff is is super important. But if you're buried in high interest debt, you're you're kind of working against yourself. You're swimming against the tide.
0: You're never going to get ahead. Yeah,
1: yeah. There has to be a priority when you're setting financial goals. I mean, financial planning. It's really quite simple. There's really three things. If you do three things, you have a really good shot at being financially successful. And it's kind of tied to these three resolutions that people have set. Really, if you spend less than you make, Mm -hmm. save as much as you can, Mm -hmm. and don't do anything foolish with your money, you got a good chance of being successful.
0: Absolutely. But as simple as that is, it's hard. It's a lot easier said than done, that's for sure. It's hard. So those are three pretty basic and straightforward ways to get ahead financially. What are some specific tips that people can uh, employ to help improve their financial situation? So I'll tell you what, before we actually
1: get to tips, I think it's important to understand why this is even important. Okay. Why are people wanting to spend less? Why are people wanting to save more? I think it comes back to what is your purpose? What are you trying to accomplish? What are you saving for? Why do you want to spend less? Because in some cases, spending less might not get you any closer to your goal, right? And I was thinking about this, a while ago when my kids were younger, we used to play this uh this game right around Christmas time. We called it let's be honest. I don't think we really called it that, but I'm I'm calling it that just because I was, you know, kind of part of it. And here's how it goes. Kind of in preparation for the deluge of of stuff that we know the kids were gonna get, we went through all their toys and, and asked them a simple question. Hey, let's let's be honest, do you play with this? Yes or no? If the answer was yes, we kept it. The answer was no, we got rid of it. So there was this kind of free and liberating part of it of of clearing clutter, getting rid of things that really don't matter Mm -hmm. and focusing on the things that do matter. And if you think about that in the context of financial goals, you know, we want to set goals that really matter to us. I don't want to set a goal that I was influenced to set it because some personal finance guru said
0: it was important. It might not be important to me. Because that's going to affect your motivation. If it's somebody else telling you you have to do this versus that motivation coming from within, big difference in behavior.
1: A long time ago, I had this goal of paying my house off early, Mm -hmm. right? And that's a good thing to do. And I'm not telling anyone not to do that. But I realized, you know what? That's not really important to me. That's not for me that that doesn't fit what I'm trying to accomplish. Right. So I kind of took that off my list of financial goals. So you really have to establish, and, and Simon Sinek, if you've read any of his stuff or listened to any of his stuff, he, he talks about the why, like the why do you do something? And that's really important to understand. So before we even start talking about like tips or what resolutions you want to set or goals you want to set, it's really important to ask yourself as you set these goals and these resolutions to be honest with yourself and say, hey, does this even matter to me? Is this even meaningful to me? Is this worthy of my time and
0: my mental energy. Getting away from that, I should do this and getting deeper into the, why am I doing this? What's the real motivation behind it? Play this game with your wife. You should go home tonight
1: and you should ask the question, you know, honey, what really matters to you? Let's be honest. Is this important? You know, is Amazon really whatever she purchased? I'm, you know, I'm not going to get in, you know, the the finer details that's that's for y'all to discuss. Uh, <laughs> but like, is this really important? Does this help us reach our goal? You know, I want to retire at 50, mm-hmm. right? Is Buying two hundred dollar shoes gonna help me get there. Right, right. What matters more to you, nice shoes or nice stuff, or reaching some early retirement goal or whatever it might be? Buying a house on the beach. I, you yeah. know I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna presume to know what people's goals or or what drives them. But that's the first part is understanding what matters to you, what's important, what's gonna drive you. Because once you have that established, that creates that motivation that you need to reach. Your goals really is the psychology behind it. And back to the name of the show, it's about
0: planning wisely.
1: Yeah, that's right. When I see people make financial decisions that align with their financial goals and their financial objectives, it's exciting. Yeah. Because you kinda of, you something clicks and they get excited and they feel good about it and they want to continue to make these good decisions uh with their money.
0: It's a good feeling and it builds momentum and you go from there. Absolutely. A kind of a good example of this, think of investing.
1: You know, when, when the market does crazy stuff and I get calls from people like, hey, let's go to cash and, and like well, let's think this through. We have a strategy, and then, you know, a couple days later. You know, it's blown over and they count, you know, the, the market's doing better. There's a sense of like, okay, yeah, I didn't go to cash. I, I didn't give in. Like I made a good decision, right? Yeah, that, Because we have an objective in mind, right? Retirement's 20 years away.
0: Or do it a little bit more flexibility. And I know because the stock market often fluctuates that there's so much emotion tied to money and then something happens and somebody freaks out and they call you up and say, Eric, I want to, I, I want to move to cash. I want to my money out. And you have to sometimes talk them off the ledge, so to speak, right? Yeah. And that goes back to what's important to you. What's our why? What what are the goals that you have set?
1: And then everything has to be seen through the lens of those goals.
0: So this all ties in pretty well with resolutions and figuring out the why and what you need and what the motivation is. Let's get down to specifics here now, Eric. What are some tips specifically that people can improve their finances at the end of 2019 and going into 2020?
1: You still have three months to, if you're one of those people who set the goal to save more money or to pay down interest or to... Uh, invest more. You still have time. You can still finish strong. Mm -hmm. I don't even... The start of the year is just some arbitrary time that... Yeah. Why wait? Start now. Start now. Don't even wait. Don't even just start now. So I want to talk about eight tips really that can help you improve your finances. Mm -hmm. And this isn't necessarily do all eight. You know, you do one of these, you're getting better. Right. You do two of these, that's even better, right? The more you do, the better. So I would say the first place you have to start, and we kind of touched on this already is you got to be honest and realistic with yourself. Mm -hmm. Don't set some crazy lofty goal that is just absolutely impractical.
0: Right. I'm going to save 90% of my paycheck and only spend 10% of it, something. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. It's, It's ludicrous. Be honest with yourself.
1: You know, if you're not saving anything now and you start saving 2%, hey, that's something. Yeah. Right? Better to do something than to do nothing. So being honest and realistic with what you're able to do is super important. That leads to the second tip. Mm-hmm. Don't do it alone. You know, sometimes you need outside guidance. Or even accountability, right? Yeah, not always a financial advisor, but, but even before accountability to keep your goal, maybe you need someone to help you set your goal. Like, what is realistic? You, you, maybe you need someone from outside taking a look and helping you set that goal. But what you said, right, most people, I know very few people who have the self-discipline to actually reach their goals and their objectives,
0: financial or not, on their own. You mentioned my wife earlier. I'll I'll give her some credit here because we came at this from very different angles when we got together and we moved in together because I was very willy-nilly and a spendthrift and I saw something I wanted, I would buy it, I would go out to eat whenever I wanted. And she was a lot more fiscally conservative. And I never really was good at setting or keeping to a budget. And we sit down every Saturday morning or every Sunday morning with our coffee now. And we say, okay, what did we spend this week? What are we saving for? What's coming in? What's going out? And it's funny because I, I I bristle and I hate it, but I know it's a necessary evil because she's holding me and collectively us accountable for the money. And I'm in much better financial shape now with her in my life. I hope you're listening, honey, because she's really steered me in the right direction.
1: There you go, man. Absolutely. Don't, don't do it alone. We need accountability. We're better when we have people who we trust, who we can be vulnerable with, who we can share what those goals are and keep us accountable. You mentioned a pretty common word in the personal finance space that didn't even make my eight tips to improve your finances, but it ties to the next tip. mm mm-hmm. right? uh, Do you know what that word was? Do you know, what, you know what word you said? It's kind of a cuss word.
0: Budget or spending or e- something? budget,
1: yeah. Ugh. So, budgeting's tough. But the third tip, uh, ties to this idea of budgeting it's even it's a step behind budgeting it's simply track your spending know where you're spending your money we we talked about it earlier, right like I was paying ten bucks a month to a gym that I never used right you're paying I don't know whatever to Amazon that you weren't even it was using. some it was some uh some it was subscription some,
0: it was yeah it was some like a uh, movie or something on Amazon prime or something I don't even remember what it was yeah so
1: Track your spending. I hear so many people, like when we go through the exercise of of actually taking a look of how they're spending their money, like their eyes open big, like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize how much I was spending on this or how much I was spending on that. Now, let me give you a warning here. Okay. Just because you have a mint.com account, which I do, which you do, right. I'm gonna put you on the spot. When was the last time you actually looked at it?
0: The last time they sent me an alert saying you spent more than you should have this week. Okay. Does that happen often? On some arbitrary category that it, like, I bought something for my business and it said it was, like, uh, entertainment or something and I totally got it all wrong. And I was like, whatever.
1: Yeah so here's the problem with these um these aggregators these financial aggregators is not the only one but they're the more popular ones is sometimes they give you a false sense of I'm tracking
0: my money I'm budgeting I feel like once I signed up for the app I was like checking the box I'm like okay it's covered I'm good
1: I was a relatively early adopter of mint mm-hmm. I still get notices or notifications from them but I haven't logged in in Oh my gosh! I don't even know how long. <laughs> Just for the record, I do use other forms of, of tracking uh, spending, but you got to know where your money's going before you can even budget. You, you got to know how you're spending your money, where it's going, and that means actually looking at you know categories, general categories. You know how much are you spending on, and, and really the big categories that people blow it on, uh, you know spend time on these areas, uh, eating out, absolutely, um, groceries, yep, and bar tabs. That kind of goes
0: along with eating out. And that's not just New Orleans. That is everywhere we're talking about bar tap.
1: Those are the three areas from a budgeting standpoint that I see if you if you take a look a hard look at those three areas, you know, entertainment, food costs going out and, and groceries are, are big areas where you can save some money. So track your spending. Know how you're spending your money.
0: You know, it's funny you say that because I go back to so when I was living in New Orleans uh, and my wife was in Michigan, we were long distance, and I said, "Oh man, I don't have any money. I've been spending all these money on on airfare that we come and we see each other, and then and then we go away for a weekend." And she said, "You know what? That's not where your money's going. It's going to Chick fil A." It's going to get a po' boy over at Parkway. She's like, it's all the eating out that you're doing. It's not these big ticket $300 airplane fights. It's the $10 here, $10 here, $20 there, or $30 there to go to dinner. That's what's really killing you financially. And we took it. I said, no, it's these big, t-. and I looked, and she was absolutely right. So going out to eat, groceries, uh, and bar tabs, it doesn't seem like as much because it's a smaller ticket item, but there's more of them, and it adds up so quickly.
1: Ben Franklin said a small leak can sink a big ship. Yeah. You ready for the next tip? Yes, sir. Understand how much your debt really costs. And this one hits home for me. Yeah. I'm not even saying pay down your debt. This is more foundational. Understand what
0: it costs. Once you understand what it costs, you'll probably be motivated to pay it down faster. So, And that comes back to what we talked about, about having that motivation. You've got to have that internal motivation and you need a reason for that motivation. And understanding the finances of this, it's funny. So, you know, again, back to my wife, she's like, if you pay a dime in interest on your credit card, all the miles, all the perks that you're earning, they go up in smoke because that interest will compound upon itself. You, She's like, you damn well better pay off balance every single month that you're giving me the doghouse. And she's right.
1: I think that's one of the biggest scams that um, our culture, our society has fallen victim to is the point. Now, there's some people who are very successful at managing their accounts and really mm-hmm. taking it to these credit card companies. But for the vast majority of people, you're buying things that you otherwise wouldn't have bought, racking up debt, could have bought that plane ticket three times over with the fees that you're paying. Oh, yeah. So that's it's a tricky thing. Don't fall victim to that. But let me paint a picture for you. So let's say you have $10,000 of credit card debt. Okay? It's your balance. And let's say you have a 15% interest rate. They have interest mm-hmm. rates that are way higher than that. But let's just be... Fairly average, yeah. Yeah, 15%. If you just pay interest, you're paying $1,500 a year. Just interest. Yeah. That's crazy. Do the math. And a lot of people have higher than $10,000 credit card debt. So understand how much debt's really costing you, preventing you from reaching other financial goals. It's preventing you from saving for your retirement. It's preventing you from saving more, right? All these things that
0: people have said are, are important. I think a couple of years ago when they started mandating these credit cards put on the statement, if you only pay the minimum, you'll pay this much over this many years. And then if you pay the minimum plus $50 every month, like you'll pay it off this much faster and for this much less money. Like that was really eye opening for me. And I would encourage anybody who's listening, if you have any kind of credit card debt, whether it's online or in paper form, open up that last statement of yours and look at that little box on the statement. And if that doesn't scare you into paying more than the minimum every month, I don't know what will. It should not only scare you,
1: if it doesn't motivate you to pay more, it should motivate you to stop spending frivolously yeah, on things. Absolutely. And that's the real danger with debt is whenever you borrow money. Anytime you swipe your card, you're borrowing money from the credit card company. Okay? Mm-hmm. Anytime you borrow money, there's a cost associated with borrowing money. If you're not paying your balance down every month, that, you know, $10 purchase is going to cost you plus 15% interest every year, as long as you have a balance. Mm -hmm. You start putting that in perspective, you know, that $500 TV that you bought on sale from Best Buy, because you got the Best Buy credit card that you still have a balance two years later. You you didn't get a good deal. No, it was a terrible deal. Uh, So understand how much debt is really costing you.
0: And I understand that. And I was in this situation when I was younger myself, when I was in my 20s, that credit card debt. um, Sometimes you have to put something on a credit card because you don't have any other options. And sometimes people are in that situation. But if you have any other options, stay away from those credit cards. Don't use it for anything frivolous and pay it down as soon as you reasonably can because that money just compounds and adds up so quickly. What else is on the list,
1: Eric? All right. Next one. Automate your savings. Okay. So most people want to save more. 53% of people said they wanted to save more. Automate it. Make it as important as your Netflix subscription. Yeah. Right? Or your your cell phone bill. Don't save at the end of the month. Listen, you save at the beginning of the month. You make money. Before you pay anything else, pay yourself first.
0: If you wait, that money's going to be gone.
1: Oh well, absolutely, it'll be gone. Uh, so pick a dollar amount, even if it's not a substantial or material amount. Uh, even if it's $25 a month or, or $50 a month, do something. Get in the habit of saving. Automate it set up an automatic transfer from your checking account to a savings account or to a retirement account, wherever you're saving the day after you get paid, but make it automatic. You shouldn't have to think about it.
0: You know, there are Acorn, there are all these other kinds of apps that sometimes if you swipe your debit card somewhere, it'll round up to the next dollar and even take 50 cents or 75 cents or 32 cents. And even those little dollar amounts just add up. It's the 2019 equivalent of taking your change at the end of the day and throwing it in a jar.
1: Yeah, I don't personally have much experience with those apps, but I love the idea. Uh, but also, I think there's something to be said about intentionally making a decision to uh, save an actual dollar amount as opposed to what's left over. Absolutely. If your goal is to spend less and you're spending less, and there's going to be less to round up because you're just not spending as much.
0: And that money's gone into savings as opposed to gone of saying, you know what, I don't feel like cooking dinner tonight. I'm just going to grab Popeye's on the way home. Yeah, well. Or, you know, or whatever, your chicken sandwich of your choice chubbies that's where i go fair enough best chicken sandwich in new orleans but yeah that's uh we digress yeah that's the i figured when we talk uh, when we're talking about this podcast based in new orleans i know that uh, we're going to probably digress with food a lot but let's uh get back. that's
1: where that's where all my money's leaking to is chicken sandwiches oh man
0: Pro, that's probably pretty high a percentage in new orleans for chicken sandwiches yeah. so what else is on our list for uh savings tips eric
1: so next one is take the free money i like the sound of that you like that take the free money if you work for a company that offers you a retirement plan, like a 401k plan or a 403b, mm-hmm. uh, maybe a simple IRA, there typically is going to be a match associated with it. right? And if you're not contributing to receive the full match, you're leaving money on the table.
0: Like you said, it's free money. It's coming from your employer. It's not going to cost you anything. Whenever I, I'm standing in front of a group uh, who's got a,
1: a corporate retirement plan or business retirement plan, I always like to ask the question, what if I told you that there's an investment that literally I could double your money overnight, literally no risk, Mm -hmm. and everyone's eyes go up like, what are you talking about, right? Like you have a company match. If you put in 3% of your income, okay, let's make the math really easy here. For every $10,000 of income that you make, all right, that's 3% is $300. So let's say your company has a 3% match. Yep. Okay. For every ten thousand dollars of income you make, if you put in three percent, that's three hundred dollars. The company's giving you three hundred dollars. Like, you just doubled your
0: money overnight. Like the sound of that, yeah.
1: Right. So take the free money. Don't leave it on the table.
0: That is huge. What's next after the free money? Funding a crap account. I like the name of that. Yeah. <laughs> I know where you're going here. So this is this is your emergency
1: fund, and uh, you know some people have told me you got to stop calling it. The oh crap account. It's not
0: professional, but you could call it something else. It'd be a little bit worse. I'm fine with oh crap.
1: Yeah. So here's the story. Well, I think it was like maybe like late September or early October in New Orleans. My wife calls me the ACs out.
0: Oh crap is what you probably more worse is probably what you said. Yeah. Yeah, So like ACs go out in New
1: Orleans when it's 90 degrees outside. Where's the money going to come from? Yeah. Right. So fund your account. Okay, we'll, we'll we'll stay professional here. We'll call it an emergency account or emergency fund. <laughs> fund your emergency fund. If all your money is tied up in a retirement account and you need to access it, it's expensive. Yeah, you're going to pay massive penalties on that, yeah. If you put these expenses on a credit card, it's super expensive, interest and fees. But if you're disciplined and you put some money away in a savings account and you have a little, little cash stashed aside when an emergency happens or you forget that you... Have to pay your kids' tuition. Oops! Right, where am I going to get the money from? You have it set aside. We talked about automating your savings. It's a really good idea to automate your savings into an emergency fund.
0: And when you hear the number. I don't know the number off the top of my head, but I, what is it, that? Fifty uh, percent or more of Americans would be in trouble and not be able to handle an all of a sudden three, four hundred dollar expense that came out of nowhere, whether it's a car repair or a doctor's bill or something like that. And so many Americans would be up a creek when that happens. They just don't have the money, have a credit card, 401k, whatever it ends up being. We've heard that in all the debates uh, in the political side of things. So many Americans just don't have access to that just four $400 in an emergency. So this makes so much sense.
1: And it's not just an emergency. It's if you lose your job, right? If you don't get your next paycheck. You know, having conversations with a friend during the the government shutdown were so many Government employees were furloughed, particularly some of some of the military folk. Not getting their paycheck. These aren't poor people. These no. aren't people who are making thirty thousand a year. These are people making six figures a year who were in a bind. Yeah. Right? Couldn't pay mortgages. hmm So fund that account. I was actually responding to an email this morning that I got from a, a client about how you know how much should I have my emergency fund? And it really depends. The general rule is three to six months of your income. Yeah. I like to say three to 12 months of your essential expenses. Mm-hmm. Just paying what you have to pay, cutting everything out, what would it cost? And that depends on, you know, is your income stable? Is it variable? So there's a lot of factors that go into it. As a general rule, three to 12 months. I like this is my rule, three to 12 months of, of your essential uh, expenses. So fund that account, start funding it now, automate that account.
0: All right, our final of the eight tips today, Eric, is what?
1: Start now. Don't wait for the new years. Uh, There's no better time than now to get started. There's no reason to wait. These are steps that you start taking that are Mm long-term. These aren't one-time decisions. We're talking about financial behaviors. These eight tips are really financial behaviors that we want small, sustainable changes we're not looking to change your life overnight. We're talking about making start to make these small decisions, on these steps that are uh, that are sustainable, that are manageable, that you can implement now. Don't wait. Well, I'm gonna wait until uh, I'm gonna get through Christmas, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna wait till the New Year's and then I'll get started. I'm gonna wait till I pay this debt off, or you know, I got two more payments on my car, and Then I'm gonna get
0: started. Get started now. There's no reason to wait. Don't come back to that coulda, shoulda, woulda stuff. Start now and start planning it out now. Do you know how many times I hear that?
1: Not the coulda, shoulda, woulda. I'm impressed with all your New Orleans references right there. That's a a little Jim Moore reference there. But um, I hear so many people. Playoffs. (laughs) Sorry. In their 50s, in their 60s, I'm having conversations with them. If I could, I don't know, have $10 every time I heard this, maybe I could be retired. I wish I would have started 20 years ago. Yeah. I wish I would have known what I know today back then.
0: It's true of so many things in life, but especially money.
1: Man, especially if you understand how money grows, the basic principles of money, if you understand, comp- you mentioned compounding interest, the earlier you start, the better.
0: When I was bagging groceries at 16, if somebody had said, you know, rather than going out to eat with your friends and getting that sandwich on Friday night, if you take that 20 bucks and put it away, you know what it's going to look like in a few years? I, I wish I'd known that then, exactly your point.
1: I had a, uh, <laughs> a meeting with... Um, a client of mine, his son, mm-hmm. I think he's 12, Okay, right? And his papa you know, told him about investing or something. You know, I, don't, I don't know how, what inspired the, the conversation, but my client's like, yeah, hey, he's got some questions about investing. Great. So we talked and i and I, I put a proposal together. It's like, I think it was like $60, $20 every three months, every quarter. If you save this, then you're going to have so much at some point in the future. And him and his brothers, all three of them, decided that, hey, we're going to do this. That's awesome. So yeah, start now. It's never too early, even if it's a small amount. Mm-hmm. We're creating habits, we're creating behaviors that are going to lead ultimately to our success.
0: Eric, it's been a pleasure talking to you. This has been Plan Wisely with Eric Garcia. What are the best ways for people to reach out to you if they want to get in contact with you for more information?
1: Yeah, you can find me on my website, www.plan-wisely.com. Also, you can check out my ebook if you go to www. Dot plan-wisely.com forward slash pillars. You can download a copy of my guide to managing money
0: wisely. Can people give you a call as well? What's the best way to call you? 504-218-5479. Awesome. Eric, been a pleasure. We'll talk to you next time. Sounds good. Securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through New Century Financial Group, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Insurance services offered through Garcia Financial Group, LLC. New Century Financial Group, LLC, Royal Alliance Associates, Inc., and Garcia Financial Group, LLC do not offer tax advice or tax services. Please consult your tax specialist for individual advice. We make no specific comments or recommendations on any tax-related details. Entities listed are not affiliated.